Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. There's great music in this episode, but you might be appalled at just how difficult it is to hear the music of women composers. I'm delighted to be joined by my friend, the violinist Marina Solarek. First of all, Marina, I wanted to ask, why are you into music? My mum had a record with gypsy music. It was called When Gypsy Violins Are Crying or Weeping. So I was playing that and dancing to it and I just loved the sound and I kind of thought, this is an amazing instrument. I want to learn this. So I announced I want to play the violin and that was the beginning really. If you want to know any more, then I started recording stuff, which was all magical at the time because there was no background, there was no classical music background and I had discovered it all new. Lovely. That's fab. Until we came out to India, every week you gave me a lift to rehearsal in your fast and nippy Mercedes. Yeah. And we'd put the world to rights and then you'd tell me about women composers. Absolutely. Who get continued short shrift and don't get the exposure that they deserve. I am on a mission. It's, it's funny, I think even though I love men composers, I've found so much and I'm finding more and more and I can only program women composers now in order to just get slightly through the repertoire which is out there, which hasn't been played before. Today we're going to talk about Henriette Bosmans. Yes, Henriette for some reason she's called. Yeah, Dutch and had everything against her. Being a woman, being half Jewish, very openly bisexual and lived through the war where, well, being half Jewish her music was forbidden and she was forbidden to play. So not only that she had against her, but being a woman usually as a composer spoke against you because you weren't taken seriously and often were told you shouldn't compose. It's not something a woman should do. Henrietta Bosmans was slightly had a better start because she had musical parents. Her mum was a piano teacher who taught her the piano and her father was the first cellist of the Concertgebouw Orchestra. The Concertgebouw is the major orchestra in Amsterdam. It is, yeah. I mean, not just in Amsterdam, it's a world-famous orchestra. He died when she was just eight months old. Yes, he died when she was a baby, so she was just brought up by her mum. Yeah, which is another tough thing, right? It's another tough thing. I forgot about that, yeah. I think her mum was quite overpowering. She must have been a strict piano teacher. She became a very good pianist, great pianist, and did a lot of concert with, with that concert about orchestra, Yeah, uh, playing all the great piano concertos. Um, but then started composing. We're going to listen today to her concert piece, which is kind of like a violin concerto. It's basically a violin concerto, yes. Is it fair to say that women composers in, in and of themselves are relatively rare, but women composers writing for orchestra is even more rare? Probably. They weren't taken seriously and they weren't allowed to be performed, so they usually wrote things for their small circle of family and friends, and they brought out a lot of chamber music. Having yeah. said that, there are some women composers. I mean, there's a Polish one called Grażyna Baczewicz. She wrote, I think, four symphonies and seven violin concertos. Johanna Zenfter wrote, I think, nine symphonies. Amy Beach wrote a symphony and Dora Piaczewicz wrote a symphony. So there are not, not as much as they written chamber music, but we still have to find it. I don't think this violin concerto or concert piece by Henrietta Bosman's has been performed in this country or Europe or the world but since 1960 possibly. Wow, 
Which is crazy, because as we'll hear, it's really good. It is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a difficult piece. The orchestra parts are difficult as well. And it's a piece that she wrote for her fiancé at the time. Yeah, she was together with this violinist called Francis Kuhner, who was half Dutch and half Indonesian. Ah. Oh, I see. Yeah, and I was wondering about that piece, because if you listen to it, uh, there is a lot of passion, first of all, and you can hear, first of all, I feel I can hear the Jewish music influence, but a lot of bits in that piece sound oriental or even further almost asian so i wonder if she and him listened to music from his country or she was thinking about him i mean he looks if you see pictures of her fiance he looks more indian than than dutch he also played with a concertgebouw he his parents moved from indonesia to holland and he was an amazing mm. violinist and he sadly died, and that was 1934. She was devastated. I think it was the love of her life, and um, stopped composing. Also because the Nazis came in and things were difficult. So she just played the piano. From what I've read at the beginning of the war, it's almost like her career gets a little boost. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of short-notice concert possibilities because big pianists had to cancel and she stepped in. Yeah, it must have been frightening, the Nazis on the go. I mean, she, they didn't want her to perform after a while because when the Nazis came in, you had to be member of the Kulturkammer, this sort of institution we had to belong to. And the Kulturkammer was saying who's allowed to perform and what music. Obviously, all Jewish music wasn't allowed to be performed. And she refused to be a part, but the Kulturkammer put her down as the Jewish case. Because she was good and people wanted her to perform, she was allowed now and then to perform again, even with a concerto belt. And then in 1942, I think, she was stopped from performing and had to give concerts only in secret. Yeah, in secret little house concerts, yes. She had a good friend, Frida Bellefante, who was also a cellist, because she wrote a lot for cello. She was very politically engaged and she helped a lot of Jewish musicians at the time either to get out and financially as well she was part of some group who i don't know where they got their money from but she she got her through slightly through the war that she had some financial help um, and she was a prominent lesbian i was going to say friend and lover possibly possibly yeah nobody says nobody knows but yes i think friend and lover possibly there's a beautiful picture with her and belly Fumter sitting together you know both very much the same age both very attractive women. They must have been very close. Frida Belifante got away. She went to America in the end. She got out because the Nazis were really after her. And Henrietta Bosman's mother, they were living always in fear, but her mother, finally, <clears throat> the Nazis brought her to a camp, not, not a proper concentration camp, but... A, the staging post, basically. Yeah, the staging post, but she got her out. Henrietta Bosmans went to one of the prominent conductors who had influence and he wrote letters and she was released. She got her back. So that was lucky. I mean, many of her friends were deported uh, or shot or, I mean, yeah. awful. And that she wasn't deported is lucky because a lot of half-Jews were deported as well. She was lucky just being forbidden to work. I do feel that to be a good composer, you need to suffer. Composers mm. who haven't suffered, 
their music is slightly dull. I won't name names. Her music speaks that, and I think you're feeling the pain. I mean, it's quite amazing that she didn't write much during the wartime. I presume she was too busy trying to make a living. Surviving. Surviving, yeah, because the pain, the fear, between 1935 and 1945, she didn't write anything. And that's 10 years of her life. And she only died seven years later, 52, I think. And she was only in her 50s. Amazing woman. Where does the violin concerto, the concert piece, fit in terms of style? What, what are we expecting to hear here? It is amazingly romantic. Very dramatic, right? It's dramatic, yes, it's full. But then, then it goes into these quiet, really romantic bits where it almost sounds like a Jewish folk song. I could just play a bit of that. Just really beautiful, just one line. What is it about that music that's particularly Jewish? It's the intervals, um, the, the augmented seconds, which are... That's the gaps between the notes, right? Gaps between the notes, and which are just slightly... If you play a scale and it's tone after tone, it sounds nice. But if the gap is suddenly slightly bigger, it gives this... This heartfelt, I mean, call it gypsy music, Hungarian music has it, Jewish music has it. It's a very Eastern European feel, which is very heartfelt and full of pain, often. And is that related to sort of synagogue chanting in any way? Or am I... Yeah, a little bit. If you hear a rabbi sing, it's very much that, or, or klezmer. Yeah. When she uses the Jewish idiom, it's always just incredibly sad. Um, and dramatic, and very heartfelt. Yeah, which is the bits which make you cry. And then, but then she goes that little bit further, which suddenly becomes um, really Oriental. And I think this this sounds almost as if it's Chinese influence. I think that the Indonesian and Eastern aspects really interesting because I've read that she'd been influenced by Debussy, Ravel, and yeah. if you listen to some of her other pieces. You can hear a bit of that. Yes. But here, I don't hear in this music the sound of other composers influencing her voice. You hear that with almost every composer, but not here. Absolutely. It's funny because when you speak about women composers, we try to put them somewhere. Yeah. Who are they similar to? And when I played Johanna Zenfta, I heard Bruckner and I heard, I heard Rieger and this amazing woman, Marguerite Canal. And again, you think... That sounds like César Franck, but with her... This is a game we probably shouldn't be playing anyway, right? But you can't help doing it because you need a frame of reference. Yes, I always feel you should not say she sounds like... She sounds like she, like her. Yeah. But with Henrietta Bosman's, it's much more apparent. When I hear that violin concerto, I have no idea where to put it. It doesn't sound like a Russian composer or like a German composer or like a French composer. I mean, she was Dutch. I don't know any Dutch composers. But yeah, this violin concerto sounds like Henrietta Bosman's and like nobody else. The Oriental bit, I've got an Oriental bit here. Here we go. 
very often I listen to this and I think this could be film music. There's a piece written for her her fiance, her violinist fiance. It's very passionate and turbulent and searching. There's not much lovey-dovey arm-in-arm stuff there, is there? <laughs> but I think they were in love. I mean, that was some... She must have been madly in love. I don't know how ill he was. So maybe she knew he was ill. No, it's not lovey-dovey. It's passionate. But then love yeah. affairs are passionate. <laughs> they must have played a lot of music together. I mean, him a violinist and she a pianist. They must have played a lot together. Yes, that would be natural, wouldn't yeah. it? We know as violinists, we play violin concerts and we have a first movement and a second movement and a third movement. That's, they're, all, they're all structured all the time. And the first movement is fast and flamboyant and the second movement is usually very slow and then the last movement is again very fast and hers has no movements. There is, at some point, you see the word finale and I thought, well, that must be the third movement. And then I kept looking around and there is a kind of change but it all goes into each other. Yeah. There's no three bits to it. It's, it's completely different. It's got a kind of a sweeping sort of all-in-one-go feel about it. And funnily enough, that's one of her styles. She uses themes which she brings back. She doesn't play one first movement has a theme, second movement has a theme. Yum, comes in the first movement mm. and then it comes somewhere in the middle and then suddenly it's, that's the end of the piece as well. So it's just thematic material, like in a film, when that film scene comes again, then that bit of music comes again. It's like a little film, really. It's like a little story which comes back, which is characters. Is it a story where you can tell what's going on? That is put to your imagination, I think. I think something goes on, but it's to each individual listener. I think that's the wonderful thing about all music. We don't know what's going on, but something will go on inside us. I guess that's why it's music. That's why it's music, yeah. And that makes it so great. And you have emotions and you don't know where they come from. And I get emotions listening to this. I feel scared and I feel sad and I feel a drama going on. I feel passionate mm. um, and I don't know what about. But beautiful music that she wrote so much for string players is, is interesting. And she wrote, obviously, a lot of piano music as well. There's a cello concerto, there's another concert piece for cello. I mean, loads for cello, but very difficult stuff. I'm, I'm playing her piano trio as well, which hasn't been recorded at all. She also wrote a violin sonata. I only got the handwritten score. There is no print. Which is a problem for many women composers, right? Because the, the music isn't published and that costs money and nobody buys it because they can't. I'm paying for somebody to put one of the piano trios of this other woman, Johanna Zenfter, into print for me because you can't play. We tried it from the handwritten score, but obviously they're full of mistakes as well and you have to correct things. You see this vast forest of notes and you cannot read them and there are loads of them. You cannot play this piece when nobody puts it into print and the musicians who want to play it haven't got the money we're paying for it and we we ought to make a living out of it really but um you have to do it and if we now don't dig these pieces out which have been written in the last century and we don't teach this this music to our students and our children then they won't know i often find conductors or teachers yeah. they have to work 
because yeah, yes. they have not learned these pieces. So in order to teach them or to conduct them, all conductors study conducting Brahms symphonies and Beethoven symphony. Nobody learned to conduct the Amy Beach symphony or a Dora Piaccia Beach symphony. So they have to sit down at the, on the bottom and learn the score. Well, that's too much work. And the vicious circle is closing. They haven't got a chance to be performed. I was lucky enough to know somebody from the ABRSM exam board who listened to me and finally got some compositions of women in. But that's not enough because, again, the teachers will not choose that piece to teach their students because they don't know it themselves. My mission now is only do this. Even though I love playing Brahms trios, I love playing Beethoven trios. They are beautiful, they are fantastic, but so are the other compositions and I've got to do it till the end of my life. May it be long. <laughs> More power to your elbow, Marina. Thanks so much for coming on, Marina. That was really fascinating. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. I think we should have a listen. So click on the links in the show notes to listen to Henrietta Bosman's concert piece. Please give us a comment at cacophonyonline.com or via the Cacophony Facebook page. Subscribe to the podcast, tell all your friends, come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.